0: Good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas to you. We are so glad that you joined us for this Christmas Eve service. Man, it's such a good thing to come together and celebrate the true reason for this season. Now, I don't know what you expected when you walked in here today, but we're going to try something that I've never seen at a Christmas Eve service before today, We're going to take Christmas and put it into context. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, Back at the beginning of this year, our church took several months to go through the big story of the Bible from creation to Christ. We called it God's kingdom story. So today we're going to see how the Christmas story fits into that bigger story. And if all goes well, we are going to fly through the entire Bible in about 15 minutes. This is a challenge. And so I needed to call in some backup today. I have several friends who are going to help me out here. And they have agreed to do that. And first of all, uh, Archer Jones, could you come up to the stage and help? Uh, Now, Archer, he's carrying a sign here. And this sign, has a picture of the first Christmas. And by the way, Archer, are you excited for Christmas? Yeah, me too. Just over 12 hours away now, so I'm pumped. But we, most of us know the story of the first Christmas, right? Uh, Mary, this young woman, was chosen by God to give birth to Jesus, the Savior of the world. And do you remember how Mary got that news? God sent an angel named Gabriel. Gabriel came to Mary and he said, Greetings, you are a highly favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, of course, when this angel appeared out of nowhere, Mary was disturbed to say the least. But it was okay because in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And that's exactly what happened, right? Mary traveled to Bethlehem with her fiancé, Joseph. And while they were there, Mary gave birth to a baby boy. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and she laid him in a manger. But this was no ordinary baby boy. The angel made that very clear back in Luke chapter 1, verse 32. He said, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now there's a lot going on here But let's just remember this one big idea. This baby is a king and not just any king. Jesus rules over a kingdom that will last forever for all eternity. So clearly, the story doesn't end here in Bethlehem. The story story also doesn't begin in Bethlehem. If you want to know how all of this started, you have to go back, way back. And now I need my friend Sam, if you would come on up to the stage and make your way to the other side. I'd like for you to uh, think of this stage as a big timeline. And we're going to go through this story one chapter at a time. And There we go, we're back. Now, chapter one is called The Most High God. And here, there's a big question we need to answer. Who is God? And that's a tough question, isn't it? Because our little human minds cannot comprehend the greatness of God. But the Bible does give us some information that we can understand. Scripture tells us that God is the almighty creator. He is all. God is also love god is also holy righteous good god is also king he is the ultimate king he rules over everyone and everything and then god is eternal he has always been he has no beginning and he always will be he has no end and it's interesting jesus Has always been with God. The Bible has uh, some different titles and names for Jesus. And a couple weeks ago, we read John chapter 1. And John tells us that Jesus is the Word. And I want to go back and read the beginning of John, chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, this is kind of crazy, isn't it? Because not only was Jesus the Word with God, Jesus was God. And how does that work exactly? Well, I'll tell you, I don't know. (laughs) It's a mystery. This is beyond our understanding. But I'll tell you what I do know Jesus is human see that over here but Jesus is also divine he is in very nature God and he is the king of all kings and like Gabriel said he rules over a kingdom that will never end so let's remember in chapter one Jesus is here now we have to move on to chapter two because we haven't even gotten to the creation of the world yet so Kenna if you can make your way over next to Sam so this is the birth of the universe. The beginning of the human race. And most of us know that God made the world, but we don't always remember that Jesus played an important role in creation. Right here in John 1, if we keep reading, here's what we find. Through him, the word, Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, that's a little crazy, isn't it? Because Jesus, we think of him over here. We think of him as this person. But he's also the one through whom creation appeared. It includes the Grand Canyon, Mount Everest, the Milky Way. All things were made through him. Now, we need to move on to the next chapter. And this one isn't... uh, This one isn't a fun one. Come on over, Grant. At the time of creation, the world was good. There was no sin. There was no evil. There was no death. But then we get to the fall. So this is here in the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve had one rule. God gave them one rule, and they broke it. They ate the forbidden fruit, and they were kicked out of the garden. So this is called the fall, and we still feel the effects of the fall today. Everything that's broken in this world comes back to this moment. So war, cruelty, broken families, broken lives, this is where it started. Adam and Eve started it, but then we followed their example because we broke God's law as well. So, this is a tragic chapter of the story, and I wish I could say things get better right away, but they really don't. Carson, if you could come on over, and actually, everybody come on up. So, this is where we get to Noah. Now, people became so wicked that God had to do something. He brought judgment onto this broken world in the form of a flood. This flood was a catastrophe because all people on earth perished except for Noah and his family. They boarded the ark and they rode out the flood. And hey, Carson, could you give us some special effects here? Yeah, make that ark go back and forth. I think a story is always better with special effects. I hope you enjoyed that. Now, we move on to the next chapter. This chapter God gave a new beginning, starting with Noah and his family. It was a reboot for humanity, but the people still didn't honor God as king. In a place called Babel, people built this tower trying to put themselves on the same level with God. And of course, he wasn't going to put up with that, so he scattered the people across the earth. And thankfully, God still did not give up on the human race we get to this point where God chose a man named Abraham to be the father of a new nation. And this was a very important nation because one day, one of Abraham's descendants would be, you guessed it, Jesus, the Savior of the world. Now, we need to speed up here because we got to get home before Christmas. So, let's move on to the next chapter. The Ten Commandments. So, this was the beginning of the law system. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and under this system, people tried as hard as they could, in some cases, to to reach God's perfect standard, and nobody could do it. Nobody could be perfect and, and follow his law all the way down the line. So God established this practice of animal sacrifice, And in this practice, the idea is that an animal would die to cover the sins of the people. In the end, though, that practice was not effective because animal blood can't cover human sin. So at this point, things are are rough, but there's good news. The prophets showed up, and the prophets spoke on God's behalf, and they told of a coming Messiah, and this Messiah would be the sacrifice that would work. He would suffer, be pierced for our transgressions, and by his wounds, we could be healed. And eventually, all of those prophecies came true, and that brings us back to Bethlehem. The Messiah arrived. This was amazing news. God's kingdom broke into this world, and all kinds of good things started to happen. Jesus grew up. And through his powerful teaching and his powerful miracles and his powerful love, Jesus proved that he is the Son of God. Not only that, he proved that he is God the Son. Later on, Jesus went to the cross. He laid down his life on our behalf. He became the perfect sacrifice. He revealed himself to be the Lamb of God. And then on Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. He walked out of the grave because he defeated death and he revealed himself to be the Lion of Judah. Now, chapter 14 here is kind of interesting. This is a parable that Jesus told. It's the parable of the prodigal son. And in this story, we learn that God is a good and loving and forgiving father. He wants all of his lost children to come home. And this is not just a story. This happens in real life again and again and again. Whenever a lost person comes to God, that homecoming, which happens through Jesus. Then chapter 15, this is a fun one. This is about the church. Jesus told his disciples to go to the ends of the earth and make more disciples. And this is cool because this is where we are right now. We're living in chapter 15. God calls the church to go into the world and carry the news of Jesus until everyone has heard. And then finally, chapter 16. This is the amazing conclusion. In chapter 16, this world comes to an end and God's kingdom appears in its final perfect form. And in the same way that Jesus was in chapter 1, Jesus is here in chapter 16. You can see that in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, where it says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Just like Gabriel said, his kingdom will never end. So there it is. It's the big story. And as you look at all these different chapters, if you tried to narrow it down to one big theme, what would you say that is? Guys, can we go ahead and flip those signs? That's it. It's the story of the kingdom of God. And we have to be clear, the story isn't about us. It's about him. However, God does invite us to be part of this story. He invites us to be part of his kingdom. Because he wants us to be right here in chapter 16 with him. He wants us to live with him and worship him forever. And why does he want that? because he loves us. This is great news. So let's thank these guys for their help today. I really appreciate that. You guys can make your way off the stage. Everyone can leave except Grady. Grady, I need you to stay with me here. And Can you go ahead and flip that sign around? Grady's holding the cross. Because Jesus is at the center of this story. Like I said, God invites all of us to be part of his kingdom. But we can't enter God's kingdom without Jesus. Remember chapter 3, the fall? In chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned against God. It was an act of rebellion. They rejected him as king. And when we sinned against God, it was an act of rebellion. We rejected him as king. And because of that rebellion, we deserve punishment. We deserve to be kicked out of God's kingdom forever. But someone stepped in and took the punishment that we deserved. And that someone was Jesus. He went to the cross and he paid the penalty that we deserved to pay. He took our sin on his shoulders. He laid down his life so that you and I could have eternal life. Every week here at Plum Creek... We take a few moments in the service to stop and remember and say thank you. We have this time that we call the Lord's Supper or communion. And at the Lord's Supper, we take a piece of bread that represents the body of Christ. And we drink from the cup that represents the blood of Christ. We stop, we remember, and we say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done. So, in just a moment, you can take the cup and, and we'll go ahead and uh, take the Lord's Supper together. But before we do that, Grady's gonna pray.
1: Dear God, we are here today praising and thanking you for sending your one and only Son down to earth to save us of our sins. You never had to do this, but you did because you loved us so much. We are here today celebrating. The birth of Jesus, the greatest gift you could ever give us. Let us come to you today and give you praise for what you have done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. Well, for God also had highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name. That at the name Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven in the earth and under the earth and that every tongue should confess that
0: Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father so i need to tell you about that video that man's name is Kual Pu, and he lives in the country of Myanmar. He works with one of our mission partners there. And we're actually sending a team to Myanmar next year, and hopefully, we'll get to spend some time with Kual Pu and the other missionaries and evangelists. But Qualpu read from Philippians chapter 2, and if you've been at Plum Creek the last few weeks, you know that we've been reading from Philippians 2. There's a passage there that basically tells the story that we just saw here, all of those different chapters of God's kingdom story. And I love the verses at the end of that passage. Philippians 2 verse 8 says that Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And because Jesus accomplished his mission, because of his humble sacrifice, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what do these verses tell us? Well, someday, someday, every knee will bow to Jesus. That includes all of the 8 billion people living in the world today. That includes every human being throughout history. A day is coming when every tongue will acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ really is Lord. And you know, you will either make that confession here in this life by choice, or you'll make that confession after this life because you have to. Here in our time, there are lots of people who do have some appreciation for Jesus, but they haven't yet acknowledged him as Lord. This week I read that nine out of 10 Americans will celebrate Christmas this year. Now, some of those people will celebrate Christmas in a way that doesn't include Jesus at all. And then for others, they'll see Jesus as the baby in the manger. But it won't go much further than that. But I have a question for all of us here this morning. What are you doing with Jesus right now? Is he your king? Are you acknowledging him as Lord, not just with your words, but with your life? That's a decision that we all need to make. And for some of us, we need to make that decision for the very first time. To surrender to him as king. It was great to see those videos earlier of the two baptisms. Uh, One of those was Ben Strong. He was baptized just for service today. The other one was Paula Fugate, and she was baptized on Friday. We sat down and we talked about baptism, and at the end of that conversation, she said, I'm ready. I want to do this right now. And I said, we haven't heated up the water yet. (laughs) It's going to be chilly. And she said, I don't care. I want to do this right now. I checked afterwards, and the temperature was 64 degrees, so that was a chilly one. But when you know you need to make that decision, it's time. And if you are in that place, if, if you know I, I need to surrender to Jesus as king and put my faith in him, and live this new life, and be baptized into Christ, where you die to your old self, you're buried in the water, and you raise up to live a new life as a citizen of God's kingdom, if that's you, reach out to us. We'd we'd love to help you with that. You can come see me after service, or just shoot me an email, doug at plumcreek.org. I'd be glad to help. But like we say so many times, baptism is just a beginning. From there, God calls us to surrender to Jesus as king every single day. And that means when you wake up in the morning, you don't say, what do I want to do today? You say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? We need to give Jesus the place that he deserves. We need to let him be king. And why should we do that? Well, for one thing, That's just who he is. He will rule and reign no matter what we decide. But there's something else I haven't mentioned. When you make Jesus your king, he will restore everything that's broken in your life. He will bring light into your darkness. He will bring you true joy, true peace, and true hope. Now, you might say, well, I've made Jesus my king, but... I'm not feeling like completely joyful and peaceful and hopeful right now. And that's okay because Jesus isn't finished yet. That restoration process is still going on. So we need to hang on because chapter 16 is coming. And in chapter 16, Jesus will make all things new. Everything that's wrong will be made right, and we will see Jesus face to face, and we will worship our king forever. In the book of Revelation, there's an amazing moment where a huge crowd cries out in worship. People of every tribe and language, every nation, they cry out and say, Now to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Right now, here on Christmas Eve, we have an opportunity to join that crowd. In just a moment, we're going to hear some friends of Plum Creek from around the world say these words in worship. These people are from the United States, Australia, Guatemala, Nepal, Bhutan, Myanmar, people of every tribe and nation and language. They'll be crying out in worship, and we can join them. So we'll listen to these friends of ours, and then we'll come together in this room, and we'll worship our king together. Let's watch this. To Him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be the blessing, the honor, the glory, and the dominion forever and ever.
1: To Him who sits on the throne and the lamb be the blessing, the honor, the glory, and the dominion forever and ever. To Him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be the blessing, the honor, the glory, and the dominion forever and ever. (inaudible) Alabanza, honor, gloria y poder, por los siglos sin fin, al que está sentado en el trono y al cordero. Gloria y poder, por los siglos sin fin, al que sentado en el trono y al cordero.
0: To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be the blessing, the honor, the glory, and the dominion forever and ever.
1: I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and every tribe and every people and every language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne and from the Lamb, to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the man and all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the man your name is the Is the highest your name is the greatest